Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're on the Airwaves to talk mission focus. What does it mean to you? Joining us to answer that question is Captain Doug Velvet, Program Manager for PMA 264 Air Anti-Submarine Warfare Systems, along with Chris Weller, Lead Systems Engineer, and Tom Powell, an Electronics Engineer. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Sir, let's begin with you. Tell us about the mission of your program office. The mission of PMA 264 is to develop, procure, field, and sustain effective and affordable anti-submarine warfare capability for the Air ASW Warfighter. We accomplish that mission through full-rate production of current-generation sensors and research and development on future sensors and associated signal processing. When you think of the phrase mission focus, what does it mean to you? It means thinking in terms of the fleet and their needs and their requirements, and using that as the lens for every decision that we make. Chris, I'd like to get your take on this. What does mission focus mean to you? Having, in a previous life, come from the fleet user perspective, I, I was on the other end of our systems that we develop. Uh, I, I come to it understanding or wanting to understand what, what's their perspective, what challenges do they have, uh, what is their real need, so that we can attempt to fill that. So you've had the opportunity to experience both sides of the coin. Tom? What about you? I'd say it mirrors the conclusion that Chris had where it's, it's all about the end goal, the end audience of who we're producing products for and what we can do to deliver something better, quicker to them. Sounds like for this team, mission focus means thinking about the end user and putting the fleet needs first. Captain, what can we do to reinforce and encourage mission focus? From the program perspective, I think it's important that we clearly articulate and repeat our mission and our vision, making that clear to the entire workforce. And when it's possible, I think it's helpful for the engineering workforce, for the acquisition workforce, to be able to put hands-on to the products. Many of them are here on the flight line at the test squadrons or out at the warfare centers, and we should recognize those opportunities and realize them when we can. Tom, as a member of the engineering workforce, what are your thoughts? How can we encourage mission focus? I would say one way that you can encourage mission focus is to decrease the amount of disconnect that we have from the fleet, from our customers, because the further you are away from them, you kind of lose bearing on what they need and where they need the systems to go. When you have good mindset on what the fleet needs, you can better direct yourselves to really deliver that in a quick, concise way. And that's important because there is a real need to deliver quickly. I think we've all heard that our competition is increasing and that our competitors are outpacing us in terms of readiness. How do we increase urgency and get products to the fleet faster? The fleet uses an expression, they need to be ready to fight tonight. And as the acquisition workforce, we need to be thinking about their concerns and what do they need and the tools that we're putting in their hands if they're called upon to answer the nation's call, literally, in the next 24 hours. And that ties back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast, that mission focus means thinking in terms of fleet needs and delivering on those needs quickly. Can you give us an example of mission focus in practice, Chris? Just this last January, we conducted a data collection uh, collaborating with the fleet using fleet aircraft and crews. We augmented the aircraft with our instrumentation and all together we were able to collect the data we need for future development. The fleet was able to learn what we were you know, planning to build 
and they were able to conduct the, their mission and, and uh, continue their readiness uh, so that all together in those flights, we got what we wanted, they got what they wanted, and we all moved forward. Sounds like a win-win. Tom, do you have an example? Another example is we have a prototype tool that displays the operator machine interface, the OMI, that we are intending to have in the system upcoming. And we were able to sit down with 50 fleet operators, have them run through the system as though it was actually in use, and gain both their insights in terms of improvements or things that need some kinds of tweaking for better implementation, as well as uh, what new techniques and algorithms we've come up with to really get them a sense of, wow, look how much better things are going to be. Look at all these new, t new tools that we have and uh, that are up, up and coming. Tom, what would you say were some of the key factors that led to the success of this project? I would say some of the key factors that led to the success on this project were both that we have started interfacing with the fleet and gaining their insights early in the process, but that we've also continued that interfacing throughout our production of our different tools, of our different algorithms, and the system as a whole. So let's talk takeaways. What were your biggest takeaways from this experience, and what did you learn, or what were you the most proud of? For me personally, it was on this most recent January data collection event where once we were done with our aspect where we had gathered the data we needed and handed off relevant mission information to the crew, we got to take a step back. Me specifically, I got to stand behind the crew. I was on the internal communication system, the ICS of the plane, listening to the crew as they are in action conducting their mission. And it really brought me a good sense of, of purpose for why, why we're doing what we're doing, what the benefit of being focused on mission aligned goals really is, where it's, it's not about developing, oh, we're doing this because of doing it. We're, we're doing it for the operator sitting in the seat who, if we can give him any percentage of an edge or any percentage of an increase in efficiency performance, that reaps dividends for them. And so it really gave me perspective, I'd say. I'd like to hear more about that. How did the opportunity to interact firsthand with the fleet user change your perspective? I would say my perspective's been changed based on that fleet interaction because it's both given me a better sense of purpose. It's allowed me to shrink the disconnect that you have when you, you work in some room developing something and not really seeing the impact of it. It gives a sense of really, if this capability is not in place, there could be much stronger repercussions than just someone can't do their job. Talk to me about the power of relationships and collaboration with the fleet customer. They have a full docket. They've got full schedules. They've got drivers. They've got readiness to maintain. They've got exercises to support. Adding additional burden to them, I mean, that's what is the potential for us interacting with them. It could be a, a, a potential burden. It could be an additional uh, requirement on their plates. We do everything we can to get them what they need, limit that burden, identify the flight clearances, identify the, the process and the policy compliance. We take care of all of that for them. We minimize any of that effort that is needed from their side. When we 
don't step on their toes and we try to, to you know, get them what they need, that establishes good opportunities for the next time and the next time and the next time so that we continue to have that mutual benefit going forward. When it comes to delivering capability to the fleet, what is the value of bringing the customer in early? On the data collection event in January, and we interfaced with the fleet where they voiced issues and problems that they were having, and mem members of our team who are embedded engineers that are working with the people developing the systems and the tools were able to directly go, hey, you have this issue, let me call up this guy who made that, who directly works on that, and let's get you an answer right now. And so we were able to not only be interfacing with the fleet in a way that helps us gather data, helps them complete their mission, but also give them the additional tools that they did not know they had access to, that they did not know were available to gain better insight, to gain better knowledge, or potential solutions that they didn't know that existed. Every system is built with some expected usage and the closer that we can align that expected usage with what the user, the fleet, is actually going to do with the system when they get it, the better off we all are. That will eliminate the, the rework and the retesting and the reintegration. Sir, what advice would you give to other program managers and teams in terms of how to increase speed and deliver capabilities fast? I would make two observations. You've got to have that alignment between the three legs of the Naval Aviation Enterprise, your requirement sponsor, your fleet user, and the acquisition organization. And all those three sides of the triad need to operate in an environment of trust where you have the relationships built that when you identify that need that requires you to move fast, you already understand each other, you already have each other's perspectives in mind. So who is responsible for creating that environment of trust and respect that I'm hearing you describe? I think as leaders, it's incumbent on us to create an environment of critical thinking where people feel trusted, where people feel respected, and we make decisions based on data. The teams are the ones that actually understand the operational and engineering problems that need to be solved. And they need to feel empowered that when they recognize that there's a decision to be made, they're the ones who have the understanding to make it, make the decisions, inform leadership, ask for help needed if they need it, but make those decisions and move forward because that's where the programs actually progress. How do we actually prepare our employees, particularly the younger members of the workforce, to accept risk and to make the necessary decisions? I think we need to get them that hands-on experience so they can understand the user perspective. And I think it's leadership's responsibility to help create that sense of ownership. NAVAIR is a very large organization. The PEOs are large organizations, but we also have correspondingly large responsibilities. And when you drill down to each of our portfolios, in many cases, you're only a few engineers or a few logisticians or a few testers deep in any one specific product. So I think it's important to create that sense of ownership. And what creates that sense of ownership? On the acquisition workforce, it's absolutely incumbent that we feel that sense of ownership, that there's that urgency in, in every action that we take, uh, that there might be a young man or a young woman who's going to be on station and is going to need their gear to work. Um, and it can feel a little bit abstract when you're in the safe comfort of a building at Patuxent River or Point Magoo or Jacksonville. But I think we have that good combination of military veterans and young government civil servants who can bring both uh, the power of new ideas, the power of previous experience, and the focus on the mission 
I think it's that combination of perspectives that is going to allow us to keep that customer focus and make good decisions. Chris, I'd like to hear from you. What makes you feel empowered to make decisions? Back to relationships, I think that we have a strong relationship uh, from the engineering side with the program management, giving us guidance and then blessing to go and execute. Uh, we understand where we need to go. Given that blessing, we, on a day-to-day -day basis, execute. What part does mentorship play in your ability to make decisions and execute? How I've attempted to build our team is have bright young engineers in roles of, of responsibility, uh, empowered them, but given them fleet user representatives, those who have been there and done that, you know, in terms of the operators, and married them up with each one so that they're able to come to the table with uh, a, a good rounding knowledge. So from what I'm hearing, you're not just empowering team members, you're facilitating a pass down of information. Tom, how has the ability to learn from veteran employees helped you? Am I going to be as knowledgeable on, on a tool that someone had spent years working on, years learning? And no, but there's insight that can be given to me. And I've, I've sat down with some of our separated operators that are now working with us again on the development of our new tools and I said okay can you can you walk me through this and they say yeah sure and then we go through we go through everything and I've had that opportunity to be on the plane when we were running our tests and there was an open operator workstation I got to test the knowledge that I I've gained from them and really see how that applies it's been a good teaching of the knowledge and then I've been given the opportunities to apply that knowledge as well both on the plane and in test systems that we have. I would challenge you is that you know you're you're leaving apprentice and you're becoming the next generation of journeymen and it's going to be incumbent on you to reflect on the experiences you've been through that put you in the hey I was able to sit down at a seat and mash some buttons and yeah maybe I wasn't a fleet operator but I'm connecting the dots and I have that understanding. You'll be in a unique position to help bridge the gap yeah. and help bring in the next generation of engineers and bridge that gap with the veteran civil servants and some of them who are literally veterans having been former operators yeah. and perform that translation function. And so I encourage you to uh, grab that role and run with it and bring along the, the folks who are going to come in behind you in the organization. We've got an exceptional team. We've got a bunch of veteran stalwarts who have a lot of latent knowledge and we've got a lot of really bright young folks and it's a two-way street. The teacher shows up when the student is ready. And we've got ready students and we've got ready teachers and, and it's, a, it's an awesome meld. So just listening to this conversation, do you think that the environment that you all unintentionally built in this office is a result of how closely you are aligned to the fleet? I think that's a good observation. That, like we started with, you know, the, the alignment with the mission and, you know, as a lead capability integrator from the engineering perspective, we're aligned with the ARASW Systems Program Office, and we have that culture of working closely with our fleet user on, on almost a daily basis. We have forward support personnel who are feeding back information to us on a daily, weekly basis. I think you're touching on it. It's a culture that is in existence because it's successful, and we're going to continue. Great way to wrap up the podcast today. 
Thank you all for joining us to share your thoughts on Mission Focus, the importance of focusing on the end user, and the value of relationships with the fleet and within our own workforce. That's it for this edition of Airways. Thanks for listening.